Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, did you enjoy football last week? If you were a Colts fan, you did not enjoy it. I know. Um, but if you're another fan, maybe you did. We hope we'll enjoy something tomorrow night, like a victory for once. Um, hey, if you would, in your program, you received a card that looks like this. It says trifecta. And if you could pull that out real quick, I'd appreciate it. Uh, next week, we are beginning a brand new series uh, called Trifecta. And we will be uh, talking about uh, three kind of touchy issues uh, in our culture. Money, sex, and power. And those three things, I think more than anything else, has the ability to take a grip on our life um, for both good, but also uh, for evil sometimes. And so what we want to talk about next week is how do we look at these three issues in a biblical way, and how can we do those things God's way? How can we handle our money God's way? How can we handle our sex life God's way? And how can we deal with power uh, God's way as well? Now, uh, this is not just for you. Uh, I'm assuming you'll be here. But this is to actually invite someone, okay? So uh, what I want to encourage you to do is think of a coworker, a neighbor, family friend, uh, whoever, and actually invite them. If they're disconnected from Christ or the church, they're struggling with these three things. And so if you can invite them to come, um, it'll be a great, great blessing for them. For us, I never ask you to do something that we're not going to do. And so our neighbors, who we've been reaching out, uh, we will go over there and I'll knock on the door and I'll say, hey, I uh, really want you guys to come and uh, we'll invite them to do that. And so I want to encourage you uh, to do the same thing. Yes? Hey, that's good. Good. We should have double the people next week. So go ahead. Let's do that. All right. Well, let's pray uh, before we uh, dive into our teaching this morning. Let's pray. Loving God, you are so very good to us and generous, and we want to thank you for choosing to be a part of our lives. We did not choose you. You chose us. And I pray this week, God, that you would challenge each of us to invite someone who is struggling in life or who just is kind of given up on the church, God, that we would reach out to them. And uh, invite them next week for this series. Help us to do our best inviting. Help us to know how to encourage and uh, to simply see uh, one person that we could reach out to. That maybe their life would totally be changed for eternity. Because we chose to walk across uh, the cul-de-sac or we walked across the office floor, the factory floor, or uh, the classroom uh, to be able to reach out. Uh, God, now we ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit that flows constantly around us. Help us to know how to tap into that today so that we can remain in your flow um, throughout the rest of this week and throughout our lives. God, help us to learn how to cultivate spiritual friendships um, that are in our lives so that uh, your name would be made great. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we are wrapping up this series on flow. It's the longest series I've ever done, so some of you are probably like, 
dude, I got the flow part. Can we move on? You know what I mean? So uh, this is it. This is kind of our wrap-up session. And uh, if you're here for the first time, you're like, well, I didn't get any of that. And that's cool. Uh, I can kind of sum it up to this. That God's Spirit is constantly flowing around us. And your job and my job is simply not to get in the way. <laughs> We're simply to be in His flow so that as we go through this thing called life, we're in his presence wherever we walk. And we talked about wave after wave, that uh, a surfing analogy, that when you're surfing and you fall down or you mess up or you wipe out, the good news is there's another wave and another wave and God's grace and his waves just keep on flowing. And our duty is simply to get back on the board and to stay uh, out of the way. Now, We've talked about for 10 weeks how to uh, stay in the flow of the Spirit. And now what I want to talk about today as we end this is how do you remain in the flow of the Spirit? We're going to end this series, but God's Spirit is still flowing around us. So how do we remain in the midst of that? So how can you remain in the flow of the Spirit? Well, I thought we would do kind of a multiple uh, choice question to start off. See how smart you are. You're so much smarter than the first celebration people. So let's see if you get this. Okay, here we go. Put it up on the screen. If you want to remain in the flow of the spirit, a lean back and just watch. Okay. B lean forward and jump in. C lean into Christian community and D sing the great song. Lean on me. Lean on me when you're not strong. You're supposed to clap at this point. No, I see. All right, that's enough. That's enough. Some of you right now are like, dude, I came and I gave this church a try and that's what I got. Forget that. I'm done. You know, I'm out of here. Okay. Uh, I will not sing Lean On Me to you, although I love that song. But the whole key, folks, of remaining in the flow of the Holy Spirit is that you lean into Christian community. You stay connected most with the presence of God when you lean into Christian community. The symbol for Christianity is what? What's one symbol? It's a fish. Okay, what's another symbol? A cross. And when we think of a cross, there are two bars to the cross. There is this vertical bar. That's our relationship with God. But what I want to talk about today is leaning into the horizontal part of the cross. And that is our relationship with other Christ followers. Throughout the Bible, you cannot go hardly to a chapter that it doesn't talk about the fact that we need each other. You need me. I need you. You need the people that are in your rows. You were not meant to go through this life alone. You need other people. You need Christian community. You can't do this life alone. You need other people around you. People that you can lean on, people that you can count on, people that you can trust. People that when you're going through a crisis, when the wheels are falling off, when you're feeling depressed or discouraged, when you're uh, seeing your marriage start to unravel, in the midst of your singleness, you feel totally alone and no one's present. When you're losing uh, a marriage and you're going through a divorce. When you're going through the pain of uh, rebellious children. When a loved one dies. 
You want to be able in those moments, folks, to be able to pick up a phone and call somebody and you know that in the midnight hour, they're going to show up and be with you and be for you. And I'm telling you, all of you have acquaintances. Every single one of us do. But there's only a few spiritually connected friends that are Christ-centered who they show up when you're in your midst of your crisis. There's this phrase throughout the entire Bible called one another. Constantly, over and over again, it talks about you should be kind to one another. You should forgive one another. You should care for one another. You should respect one another. You should honor one another. You should bear one another's burdens. And most of all, it says that you are to love one another. And all of those one another's that are in the scripture, the focus is on how you do Christian community. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Uh, very early on in the uh, flow series, um, whether you were here or not, it really doesn't matter, but some of you may have seen this movie, uh, A Beautiful Mind. It's several years old, uh, but it's a really powerful story. If you've never seen it, uh, go and uh, watch it. Um, but I showed you a clip that was early on in the movie, and I want to show you a clip that's later on. Now, some of you might be sitting there and going, now, what's this story about? Well, this uh, person that Russell Crowe portrays was a guy by the name of John Nash. He had a brilliant mind. He was a brilliant guy. But John Nash heard voices in his head. He had thoughts that were not true. He had thoughts that were not rational. He had thoughts that were deceitful. Thoughts that really created issues for his life. Sometimes they made him feel more important than he was. Sometimes they seemed to be real to him. They played on some of his darkest fears. But whenever he listened to these voices, all of a sudden, the relationships around him began to become destroyed. And the more that he isolated himself away from community, the more that he put himself out by himself to try to solve these issues by himself, the more pain, the more hurt, the more brokenness that he had to live with by himself. Eventually, as the movie goes through, he's diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. But over time, because the university starts reaching out to him, and he starts reaching out to them, all of a sudden, he actually is able to go back and start teaching again at Princeton University. A diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic going back to doing that. That's the power of community. And so I wanted to show you a clip of this movie in which John is accepted back to the college and he starts teaching uh, his students. And in the midst of this community, because they respect him and love him and care for him, he's able to reach out to his students, his colleagues, and they do it in reverse. And in the midst of this, he's approached by the Nobel Prize Committee to win a Nobel Prize for his focus on economics. And so let's take a look at this clip and the power of community. Thanks, Professor. Goodbye. Have a nice day. Goodbye. See you. Papers and ham, Mr. Bile. Professor Nash. Can you see him? Yeah. You sure? How's that? He's within your vision. Forgive me, I'm just always suspicious of new people. See you next week. See you next week. 
So now that I know that you're real, who are you and what can I do for you? Professor, my name is Thomas King. Thomas King. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell you that you're being considered for the Nobel Prize. for the Nobel Prize would have been secret. I would have thought you'd only find out if you won or lost. That is generally the case, yes, but these are special circumstances. Um, the awards are substantial. They require private funding as such. <laughs> the image of the Nobel is... Oh, I see. So you came here to find out if I was crazy. Find out if I... Screw everything up if I actually want. Dance around the podium, strip naked and squawk like a chicken, things of this nature. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. I am crazy. I take the new medications. But I still see things that are not here. I just choose not to acknowledge them. Like a diet of the mind, I choose not to indulge certain appetites. Like my appetite for patterns. Perhaps my appetite to imagine and to dream. Professor Nash. It's good to have you here, John. honor, sir. Thank you very much. A privilege, Professor. What a powerful scene uh, at the very end where all of his colleagues, as a sign of acceptance and respect and honor and love, they each take a pen and they place it on the table saying, you are a part of this community. And if a movie like that can hit the emotions of our life, What can a community of Christ followers who really love each other, who are there at any time, what more can we give when we lean into community? That's why small groups are so important. A small group is simply a group of people, 10 to 20, who meet a couple times a month for an hour, a couple hours. Some of our groups have childcare, and they learn more about the Bible and prayer. And all of a sudden you just realize that you're not alone. That there are some people around there to care for you. But you have to choose to lean into the community. 
You see, the Spirit of Jesus uh, comes in many different ways. It comes through Scripture. It comes through uh, words uh, that we read. It comes through promptings that we have. But it also comes in the presence of Jesus being in community. The church of Jesus. Small groups of people coming together. And God is present there. And that's why I really believe that no one can grow to their fullest potential of what God wants them to do unless you're doing life within a community. Because I don't know about you, but I have blind spots. I don't always see things the way that they should be seen. And I need people around me to call those out. And sometimes when I go through weeks, I just need someone to say, dude, you're going to make it through another week. And sometimes I need to be the person who gives that to someone else. Jesus' whole plan was that you and I were to never do this life alone. And we wasn't just to be a life that we just kind of skate through. Jesus said this in John 10.10. It's a scripture we've looked at. He says this. He says, I have come that they may have life and they may have it, what's it say? More abundantly. In other words, not just life, not just abundant life, but life that is more abundant than what you're living right now. And if you want to have an abundant life, a life that is fully alive, if you want to remain in the flow of the Spirit, you have to be doing community with other Christ followers. That's action step number one. Lean into community. The second thing that you have to do is you have to cultivate spiritual friendships. It's not like a tomato truck and a tomato falls off and you go, Hey, i got a spiritual relationship now. You actually have to cultivate what that looks like. Paul, the guy who wrote over half of the New Testament and was considered one of Jesus' closest friends, he realized that even for him, that if he was going to remain in the flow of the Spirit, that he had to get connected in a community of people. That he had to cultivate some spiritual friendships. Not acquaintances. We all have acquaintances, right? You see people all the time, they're like, hey, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? But that's about it. Maybe Paul had acquaintances too. High school, you know, Bible school, I don't know. Maybe every once in a while they went to the Gladiator Coliseum and they saw some battle. And they're like, oh, cool, dude, you know. But all of a sudden, when Paul turned to Christ and all of a sudden he became persecuted, all those acquaintances had a tendency to leave. But there were some people who stayed deeply connected to Paul in these spiritual friendships. And the friendships were centered on Christ. Relationships that were loving and respectful and yet honest and truthful. Relationships that were filled with encouragement of having people around you that just say, I think the best of you. Think about that. When you walk through life, do you ever look at people and you're like, I don't think they like me. Or you walk through a a, a session of, uh, you know, like in a store and you see people and they're all kind of looking at you and you're like, do I stink? You know, is something going on? Like, but, but rarely do you have people that are there to say, you know what, I think the best about you. Because nobody can go through this life alone. You need people around you who think that. So to stay in the flow, you can't do this life all by yourself. You were meant to bear one another's burdens. Paul realized that. As he went through this thing called life, he realized there had to be some people around me that were going to bear my burden. I'd like us to look at a passage in Philippians chapter 2, 
Philippians is in the second half of the Bible uh, in the New Testament. And Philippians was written uh, by this guy named Paul. He's actually uh, in prison in Rome and he had started a church. And so he decided, hey, I'm going to write to them. I want to thank them for what they've been doing. And he thanks them specifically for some of the friendships that they sent to him to be with him while he was in jail. And look at how he describes these spiritual relationships. Verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy. Now, my brother is named Timothy, and I've never liked that name, to be quite honest. If you're a Timothy today, I'm sorry. But uh, when you're the youngest in a family of three, there are some names you just don't like, especially the name of the one who puts you down and says, say my name. All right, I got some issues I might need to work on. All right. Anyways. Hey, so who is this guy? Who's Timothy? Well, Paul one day finds this guy and most scholars believe he was around 16 years of age. And he said, hey, you want to? Follow me, I'll help you mentor you in this whole Christian faith. And he's like, well, I'm young and I'm not. And he's like, no, 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 come on. And for close to 14 years, he, he just mentored him until finally he writes to Timothy to say, hey, you can pass on what I'm doing now. But in the midst of him being chained, Timothy is present. And Paul looked to him as like a son. He goes on to say, I hope to send Timothy to you soon. That I may be cheered when I receive news about you. He couldn't wait to hear what was going on in Philippi, which is in present day Greece. So think about Greece. That's where he's talking about. I have no one else like Timothy who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For all are looking out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger. So the church doesn't just send him Timothy, but he also sends him Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus, who you sent to take care of my needs. So both of these guys, the whole reason they're there is to be these spiritual friends caring for him while he's in prison. Epaphroditus longs for all of you, and he is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill. He almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Think about that. You're almost ready to die. Your life is really on the brink, and yet because you love another Christ follower so much, you're willing to go and to be present with them. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him back to you because he's well now so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety because you were worried that he wasn't going to make it. So I'm going to feel better. I'm going to send him back to you. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help that you could not give. And folks, what is Paul painting here? He is painting a web of encouragement. He's like, hey, I'm in prison, but I'm not alone. Paul is in chains. He's in house arrest, but he's not alone. He has Timothy with him. 
Timothy is like a son to Paul. Paul is like a father. And they're encouraging one another. Paul says he wants to send Timothy back, not only Epaphroditus, but also Timothy, so that he can reassure the people that are in Greece that everything is okay. They mutually kind of have this assurance and encouragement for one another. The people in Philippi, that they'll feel encouraged. And Timothy and Epaphroditus, they'll feel encouraged. And the encouragement is just like flowing all around these three men. And it's a beautiful kind of amazing thing. And it helps them to remain in the flow of the Spirit. Paul's like, even though here I am enchained for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm in chains, and I can't leave the house, there are people around me who are caring for me and loving me. Now, some of you might be sitting there going, wow, that was great for Paul. I'm so glad that he had some people around him that were doing that kind of love and that kind of encouragement thing for him. I don't. I don't. But guess what? You could. You really could. You could have some people around you who are for you and encouraging you and loving you. If you wanted to. That's why sometimes when people hear small groups are like, oh man, what am I going to experience? And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But I'll tell you the one thing that you're guaranteed to experience. A group of people who are loving and encouraging you always. And so you might be asking the question, what can a small group give to me? The, The gift of encouragement. You can't live, folks, without the gift of encouragement. You need it. They see it constantly on how little babies are treated. They've done these studies before of babies that are cuddled and they're encouraged and they're, they're cared for and then those that aren't. And they see a totally different response to their health because of encouragement. I mean, I can remember my two little girls when they were little and they would be crying in the middle of the night and I would be so moved by it and I would hit Jennifer and go, hey, they're crying. Not really. But we would go and we'd pick them up. And yeah, I'll never forget this. We'd pick up our little girls and we'd be like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And try to get them calmed down. You and me, we need people in our life who have some okayedness that they can give to us. That can, they can say, you know what? Hey, you're going through something. It's going to be Okay. I mean, you don't need some people in your life who are simply acquaintances that when you're going through a struggle, when you're going through a battle, and they come up to you and you, you're, you're, you like share that with them, and then they tell you, man, that's horrible. Glad it's not happening to me. You're like, I don't need people like that around me. I need people who are going to encourage me. That's not a spiritual friend, folks. That's an acquaintance. Folks, all of us worry, all of us have anxiety, all of us will have things that happen in our lives that we were not expecting to happen due to circumstances in life. But, but a word of encouragement from a spiritual friend, it can actually break chains of discouragement in your life. Now, of course, you don't want to give false assurance when it's not true. We don't want small groups that are giving false assurance. Don't let someone kind of set you up for failure. Don't say something like this. Gee, you look great in that Speedo, Grandpa. No, Grandpa looks good in a Speedo. 
I don't care how buff they are. They don't look good. So we want it to be real. But in the New Testament, most of the time, encouragement isn't mostly about telling people that some outcome is going to turn out exactly the way that they want in life. It's simply a reminder that there are people around you that say, God is for you, He's with you, and so are we. And ultimately, when that kind of thing is going on, nothing can thwart the eternal purpose that God has for your life. Because constantly you're around people and you're with a God who says, it's okay. Whatever happens, it's going to be okay. When we offer the gift of encouragement to each other, something actually happens inside of us. And all of a sudden, the anxiety and the stress and the worry and feeling overwhelmed, all of a sudden, we get a peace. That comes from God. And it only happens when you can do that in community. Sometimes it's not even verbal. You ever had this experience before? Someone just comes up and they put their hand on their shoulder and they're like, like, okay. Or someone waves at you and you're like, with all five fingers, they wave at you, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, that's, that's good. You know, I'm good. Or, you know, sometimes... A person will just look at you in your eyes and you're talking to them and you can tell like they really are listening, like they get it. Or you pray for someone. But I'm telling you, when the gift of encouragement is given in a small group of people, nothing can thwart God's purpose for your life. Nothing can separate you from God's love. And this was what Paul realized. He realized, even though I'm like the the big wig in this whole Christian kind of journey and bringing it forward, he realized that he himself had to lean into community and he had to cultivate spiritual friendships. Now, this way we're going to close this morning. I want you to hear the story of a couple who actually has been leaning into Christian community and cultivating spiritual relationships for the last six years. The last six years of their life has not been easy. There's been a lot of painful things that have happened. But as they leaned in, their lives actually changed. Some of the hardest, darkest moments that they've ever experienced, they were able to get through with actually a spirit of joy on the backside and not of bitterness or resentment or anger because of the encouragement of a small group of people. So if you would, I'd like you to uh, join me in welcoming uh, Chester and Nikki Kuhn to the stage. Okay, this is round two, so we're expecting more out of you, okay? Um, so uh, they did the, uh, the first celebration and did an awesome job and uh, would encourage you to kind of listen to, to their story. Uh, Nikki, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how long you've been married, kids, where you work at, all that kind of stuff. Uh, well, we've been married for a little over eight years. Um, we have two little girls. Uh, Brylin is six and Kinley is three, going on 16. Um, I am a staff accountant at First Merchants Bank here in Muncie. I'm one of those weird numbers for people that uh, most people don't enjoy that. <laughs> All right. So we got a numbers person. Uh, Chester, what do you do? And um, 
How, uh, how long have you guys kind of been connecting here at the JAR and that kind of thing? Um, I'm an athletic trainer. I work at uh, Central Indiana Orthopedics, and uh, part of my job is to go to Ball State and work with their football team. Um, we've been coming to the JAR together for nine years and um, been part of a small group for six years. And it's true that you're the reason that the Cardinals won yesterday, right, against Eastern Michigan? All me. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, hey, uh, Chester, I know that the small group has uh, been essential for your, like, spiritual growth and how you've been able to kind of remain in the flow of the Spirit. And so I wondered if you could share a little bit of how you were plugged in and then also kind of what apprehensions maybe you had or expectations uh, kind of going into that first time. Because some folks will be going into a group for the first time, what that kind of felt like. Uh, we were asked uh, initially by one of Nikki's friends uh, that had been attending a small group for a while, and um, she asked us more than once before we agreed to go. Um, I personally was afraid uh, to go and, and expose the fact that I really didn't know that much about the Bible or uh, you know, I, I didn't grow up in church, uh, so I just didn't have much of a background. Um, it really wasn't what I expected. It was uh, very laid back. Um, everybody was welcoming, friendly. Um, no one mentioned the fact that I didn't know anything about the Bible. Uh, we knew. No, I'm joking. It was. It was. Uh, it was good. 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 Um, and Nikki, I know that uh, as uh, a small group, you've been encouraged by them and. And lift it up. But you guys have had a lot of ups and downs uh, kind of over the past uh, few years. And so can you share a little bit how the small group was, was there for you during that? Uh, yeah. And, well, no matter what was going on uh, in our lives, um, our small, small group was always there for us to encourage us. Um, and even though our small group kind of started out as a group of strangers, um, when you get together with people like that and invest in each other and try to grow together with God like that, uh, those people become family. Um, and that became very apparent to Chester and I in about 2010, 2011, when we went through some big family losses. Um, at the time, in 2010, my mom lived about three hours away, um, and she was battling some major health issues. Uh, Brylin was only about a year old, um, and we couldn't really afford for me to be off work very much, so there was a lot of going back and forth um, to see her and that... Uh, was exhausting and um, put a lot of stress on both Chester and I and on our relationship. Um, then the Monday after Thanksgiving in 2010, uh, we were woken to a phone call that Chester's dad, Ray, had had a heart attack and was awaiting um, surgery at the hospital. Um, he, went un, uh, he underwent a triple bypass that day. Uh, things were very up and down um, after that for a while. Uh, and during that time, uh, my mom was continuing to deteriorate in her health as well. And there were many days and nights um, where Chester and I were both sitting there with one of our parents in a hospital, helpless, um, while our spouse was three hours away at a hospital doing the same thing with their parent. Um, by this time, I had pretty much exhausted all of my time off work. Um, luckily, my boss was very understanding and allowed me to be off, but um, when I was off, it was unpaid. Um, which threw some extra stress on the situation that we were in. 
And that was one of the first times that our small group really just um, overwhelmed us with their love. Uh, One day a couple from the small group showed up with a collection they had taken up um, to help get us through that time, and they helped erase uh, that one big worry for us. Uh, They were also constantly members of our small group, um, showing up at the hospital, helping to take care of Brylin so that we weren't having her sitting in hospitals all the time. Um, There was a girl from our small group that drove me to Knox to see my mom one night when things got really bad, and she stayed there with me and slept in the hospital bed with me next to my mom um, all night. And I I don't know uh, how we would have made it through uh, those weeks without all that support. So a group that got money, helped you guys through a period of time. Uh, one person who actually slept in the bed uh, beside you. Um, and, man, you could feel the love. But life doesn't always kind of turn out the way that we want. And so I know a part of your story is kind of what happened next. Can you share that a little bit? Uh, yeah. um, well, on January 1st of 2011, one of the fears that had been looming over us for the past six weeks came to reality uh, when Ray passed away. Um, Once again, our small group just uh, was covering us in love and care um, from prayers and hugs and shoulders to cry on, um, help taking care of Brylin so that we could help with arrangements and be there with Chester's mom, um, providing food for us and for the whole family, um, leading up to the funeral, during the viewing, dinner after the funeral, I mean, just anything they could think of um, to take something off of our plate at that time they did. Yeah. So... uh both uh, parents are in hospitals, um, small groups carrying whatever. Um, Ray dies, uh, which he did accept Christ uh, before he died, which was a really cool thing uh, for us to see happen. Um, and you'd think at that point, you're like, all right, man, this is enough. And the small group was there, but then life has a way for things to keep going. So can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, I, this is the... This is- Happy point. Um, Small groups don't just share the bad times. Uh, We were also able to share some good times. Um, A few months after that, um, we found out after trying for a while that we were expecting our baby again. Um, And it was a lot of fun, especially there were some other members in the group that were expecting at the same time. And we got to go through that together. And um, we had babies that were born within months of each other. It was really cool. And I like to say that our small group knows how to do two things really well. Um, They make good food and cute kids. So on December 10th of 2011, uh, Kinley made her grand appearance, and uh, nobody was more excited. Sorry, uh, than my mom. Um, she was on hospice care by that time in a nursing home in Knox, and she wasn't able to make the trip to come see us. Um, so we made plans to take Kinley up to meet her grams on Christmas Day when she would be two weeks old. Unfortunately, another early morning phone call crushed that dream. Uh, On December 20th of 2011, when Kinley was 10 days old and only 11 months after losing Ray, we lost my mom. Once again, though, our small group kicked in in full force. Within an hour of getting the news, my living room was full of people. When the next few days were filled with meals and notes of encouragement and hugs and prayers and um, I just couldn't believe the number of people who made the three-hour drive all the way to Knox to be there with us for the funeral. And although those are some of the big examples, I can't list or count um, all the times our small group has encouraged us or lifted us up. Um, 
are prayed for us. And I know there were plenty of times where you could get home from work and we're exhausted and it's been a long week and we're like, oh, we have small group tonight. But somehow a few hours later, you're driving home and just energized and uplifted. And um, it was just great. And looking back, I can't imagine how we would have gotten through those times uh, without our small group. And I know that our lives would not be in the same place right now um, that it is. Yeah. And I know that you guys have both talked about at times that your smaller group really became family. You know, when when family um, when family gets broken up or people in your family die, uh, all of a sudden then your small group, man, that really becomes uh, family to both of you. Well, Chester, I know in the midst of all this, it would have been very easy for you to be like, dude, I'm done with this whole God thing. I'm, I'm done with whatever. But you actually just kind of plowed ahead. And so can you talk a little bit about how you've kind of grown in your faith during this time and how you kind of remained in the spirit, even in the midst of, you know, all of uh, the different circumstances that hit? Um, I, I've grown to be more open and honest uh, with people in general. Um, I'm more connected to God through prayer and uh, Bible reading. Uh, and I think in general, I just, I have deeper relationships with, uh, with people like you're, you're talking about the, not the acquaintances, but the, the close people in my life. Um, I, I try to be more open, like I said, and just have deeper, more meaningful relationships. Yeah. And Nikki, I know that not only has he grown, but you've grown a lot too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nikki was one of the first people that uh, we baptized in the church. She was a college student then. She's only two years older now. Um, but uh, <laughs> she, um, she was uh, there, and it was in August, and we thought August was always a great time to have baptisms, except um, it was 50 degrees on the day that she got baptized. So, like, she had to grow. You know what I mean? Like, that was... There is nothing there. But what are some of the ways that you kind of grew uh, in your uh, relationship with Christ during this time? Um, Well, I'm definitely um, more open to God and listening to him now. Um, And the small group was really just instrumental in, like, demonstrating to me that God is more about a relationship than he is about religion. Um, And also, like a lot of people and uh, women in particular, I am my own biggest critic um, but I've learned that it's uh, a lot harder to hate yourself so much when you have so many people encouraging you and loving you so completely. Yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, word on the street has it, and I guess you have these T-shirts on, that uh, you're actually uh, going to start your own small group, and a few other people are as well. But can you talk a little bit like what went into your thinking of, of doing that and Tell us a little bit about your group, when you're meeting, who can come, that kind of thing. Uh, well, after everything that our small group did for us, um, we were just really like the idea of being able to have a group that could reach people in that way. Um, although we were very hesitant to leave our group because they are family to us at this point, And um, we weren't really sure or didn't really feel like we were qualified to lead a group. But as I believe you've said before, uh, God doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called and um he definitely was calling us uh we were still hesitant and we were praying about it a lot and um it didn't take long for it to become abundantly clear that god was saying this was time for us to do this Um, so we will be meeting at our house on the second and fourth mondays of the month um, at six o'clock and we live in the cowan area 
um, and our group is open to anyone um, uh, that wants to come. If you've thought about joining a small group before and been hesitant or thought that you, you know, weren't good enough, um, you're definitely good enough for your, our group. We'd love to have you. Um, and just, I've never regretted a minute that I committed to my small group. Awesome. Well, hey, would you join me just thanking them for... Uh... <laughs> Well, if you're new to the church um, or you just need some new friends, uh, you might be asking yourself, well, how do I go about doing that? I don't want just acquaintances in my life. I want some real friendships. And you might be asking, well, well, how can I go about doing this? Um, how can that take place? Uh, where can I find these kind of friends? Well, you're probably not going to find them at Hooters or Twin Peaks. I'm just telling you. Um, <laughs> Probably not going to happen there, okay? It's probably not going to happen at Cheers or the Oasis or BW3s. You'll find acquaintances there. You just won't find some deep kind of spiritual friendships. And so Emily, uh, who is our small groups uh, director, is going to give you some time to uh, fill out a card and connect with that. And she's going to tell you a little bit more about small groups. Thanks, Chris. Like you said, I'm the small groups director here, and I really want to encourage you all to consider today getting plugged into a small group. And so right now, I would like to introduce you to our small group leaders. Now, if your leader is not up here, don't freak out. It doesn't mean your group is falling apart or they're not meeting, um, but they just had too many people in their group, and they wouldn't let me put anyone else in there. (laughs) So they are not up here, but your group is still meeting. But these are our new and open groups, and I just want to introduce them to you. So um, we have John and Sis Bunch, and they lead a group on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock right here at the Y. Um, And then this is uh, Stephanie, and she leads a group on Wednesday nights for 20-somethings. And then Becky Kilmer has a new women's group this fall that meets on Wednesday nights. And uh, Chris um, and his wife, Dallas, who isn't here, they're going to be leading a group on Monday night, and that is a new group this year. Um, And then Ellie... Um, is going to be leading a college-age small group that will meet right after church on Sundays. And then uh, Tom and Cindy Truesdale, uh, they kind of do double duty. They have a group Saturday night um, that meets for kind of a empty nesters. And then um, on Wednesday night, Tom has a men's group um, that he leads. And then you already know about Chester and Nikki's group on Monday. And then um, Jennifer, is uh, she already leads a group during the day for women on Wednesday afternoons at 1. And then Jim and Marty Chris have a group on Friday night at 6.30. So, um, and I will just tell you that I know these people, and they are some of the most godly, loving, awesome people that I know. And so you're going to be in such good hands if you get into a group with them. So could you just give them a round of applause because they're awesome. You guys can have a seat. Thank you. And if you want to meet any of them or if you have questions for them, they're going to be right on that side of the gym after church so you can go and talk to them. Um, But right now I would like you to pull out the card that looks like this in your program. And if you have any interest at all or maybe even you just have questions about small groups or you're like, hey, I want to get plugged in today, I want you to fill this out right now. And I'll give you a minute to do that and then you can just put it under your chair and we'll pick it up in a little bit. So just take a minute and fill that out. <laughs> 